June 1st is right around the corner, which means the Dolphins will be seeing approximately $13 million in salary cap space, courtesy of the cutting of cornerback Byron Jones. What's the most sensible way to use some of that money? I'm glad you asked. That's our subject here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first and your second listen of the day. We are double dipping today on Wednesday, May 24th. Special shout out to our everydayers who hit every single show along the way. We talked earlier this morning about who we heard from in media availabilities with the Dolphins yesterday at OTAs. Those OTAs continuing a little later this week. We have a couple of more dates along the way before mandatory minicamp, and then we're off for the big break before training camp. Um, As we brace for the next chapter of this Dolphins offseason, which is minicamp and then no training camp starts at the end of July. We may or may not see the Dolphins add a few new names into the mix. And what we're going to do today is talk about who might make the most sense to add amongst players that are available uh, in free agency or you would expect to be available in free agency. So uh, that's our subject here today on Locked on Dolphins. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-host of the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, as is the case with all of our shows here on the Locked On Network. We're going to go on the offensive side of the ball first because there's uh, plenty of interest in the offensive line. Uh, We have seen the Dolphins make a number of additions with Cedric Ogbwehi and Isaiah Wynn into the mix as new offensive linemen signed within the last few weeks. Are there any other offensive linemen that may be of interest? Uh, that, that's a question we have to explore. Of course, there's Dalvin Cook, and then we'll go over to the defensive side of the ball. And then I have a few player extensions that that maybe we need to be thinking about from a different lens, and that's what we're going to finish with here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. But offensively, I have the list up of players that are available on the offensive line. And some of the top names are names that you'd be familiar with, and Taylor Lewan and Chase Roulier and Rodney Hudson and George Fant. Ben Jones, Roger Saffold, Trey Turner, Jesse Davis. I'll just keep reading names. Jason Peters, Dalton Risner, Dennis Kelly. These are the Marcus Cannon. These are the notable names that are still out here along the offensive line in free agency. And I think when you do a head count for the Dolphins, that's where I have the most challenging time seeing Miami uh, embrace a position-exclusive player along the offensive line, I think is probably the way that I would put it. Because we heard Mike McDaniel allude to yesterday that Isaiah Wynn is going to get opportunities in multiple spots. And we know that cross-training along this offensive line has largely been a point of emphasis, and you also largely know that you have Uh, Three guys locked into starting roles. So when you look at the offensive line as a whole, 
Armstead's locked and loaded. Robert Hunt's locked and loaded. Connor Williams is locked and loaded. Those three are definitive starters in their respective positions. So you have two potential starting spots, and you're going to carry eight, maybe nine offensive linemen. So if you take the three that you've got, and then you have two former top 50 picks that are still on rookie contracts in Lee Eikenberg and Austin Jackson, regardless of what their ceiling is as players, there's five. Isaiah Wynn would be six. The team signed Dan Feeney in free agency. That's seven. Robert Jones has been a successful player with the Dolphins relative to being an undrafted free agent every time he's been put in the lineup. That would be eight. Then you have Cedric Ogwehi, Kendall Lamb. Maybe you could make the argument for a tackle-exclusive player. But all all the players that are available that would excite me the most are guard-exclusive players. Dalton Risner would have my interest. Guard-exclusive player. Trey Turner was not good last year in Washington, but has had some successful short-term stops in years past at guard. But again, he's a guard. Uh, Roger Saffold, long past his his prime and was not particularly impactful uh, for the Buffalo Bills last year. Not somebody I would be interested in, generally speaking. I, I know Chase Rullier has played center, uh, but there's been some durability issues there that have been roadblocks to him being available successfully. Taylor Lewan, an offensive tackle. <sighs> I don't know how much he has left in the tank. So you can look at who's available, and it's a lot of older players, players in their early 30s. There's, there's a reason these guys are available at this stage of the game, because they've been through the ringer. Or they're players who had physical skills but haven't materialized it yet. Maybe George Fant. And George Fant, like Isaiah Wynn, was better at left tackle than he was at right tackle. And Fant with the Jets the last few years. So if I had to identify the most attractive option that would potentially give the Dolphins an upgrade, it would probably be Dalton Risner. He's 27 years old. Played with Butch Berry last year. But he plays guard. And I don't think the numbers game, especially if Isaiah Wynn is going to be eligible to be playing on the inside, lends itself too favorably to another interior player, especially an interior exclusive player, uh, being the makeup of what you would bring into the room. Now, Dalvin Cook, uh, we are going to wait until June 1st and figure out what the Vikings are going to do with him. Uh, Deadline spur action, right, as is the saying. And if Minnesota is going to move on from Dalvin Cook, waiting until June 1st and playing a little bit of hardball to try to facilitate a trade to happen may be the pathway to that taking place. But for the sake of the Dolphins, you're, you're wise and, and you're in good position to not have boxed yourself into a corner where you definitively need Dalvin Cook because you have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson and Devon Aiche and you have Savan Ahmed, who I think as a fourth back, especially as a fourth back, could be a really nice player for you. The Dolphins have done their due diligence. If they were going to spend money not bringing in Dalvin Cook on his current deal and not buckling in the face of the trade. You can't make the trade when Dalvin Cook's owed three years and $37 million. Not unless Minnesota agrees to take a vast majority of this year's salary with it in the deal, and then you're expecting to potentially cut and then, or renegotiate Dalvin Cook after the season. Now, they have enough flexibility with the guaranteed money that they could do that but I, in no circumstances, would be signing myself to, up to be in a position, if I'm the Dolphins, 
to have three years and $37 million on a running back contract being brought into the fray, especially when Minnesota, after all this time, may end up ultimately cutting him anyway. I think the tight end room's in pretty good shape, too, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, between Saubert and Smythe and Higgins and Tyler Croft, who the more I watch, the more I think can, can be a 300-snap player in this offense as an inline tight end. I'm glad that they didn't invest heavy if they weren't planning on changing what their usage looked like. And their usage last year was not particularly favorable for tight ends. That's okay. You have star players elsewhere in your offense. You want to get the ball in the hands of the speed players. I get it. And if Higgins ends up becoming a thing, you've got a player with dynamic athleticism with the size anyway. Tanner Connor looking all yoked up. Like he's been living in the weight room all offseason. Good. Who knows? That's that's a nice little scratch-off lottery ticket that we're, we don't know what we're going to get when the pads come on. So I really look at the way that this offensive roster is is structured, and I think there's still upgrade opportunities on the line. Obviously, the buzzkill was Cam Fleming going back to uh, Denver, re-signing. That, that news came out yesterday. Uh, according to Tom Palacero, one-year deal up to $4 million with undisclosed incentives, Cam Fleming going back to the Denver Broncos. So I know that was one that a lot of Dolphins fans were kind of quietly holding out for. It's time to move on. Uh, that, that dream is dead. And Fleming going back to Denver for his third contract with the Broncos means he will not be in the fray, which definitively whittles down this list of viable tackle additions at this point. Uh, I think Miami's probably going to make do with what they've got. Maybe George Fant would be the one that would make sense unless you're going to bring Brandon Shell back into the competition as well. We'll talk about the defensive side of the ball next here on Locked on Dolphins. But before we do, now is the perfect time to make a fast break over to FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and get in on the NBA playoffs action. Heat looking to close out the Celtics in Game 5 here coming up. Uh, we, of course, also have the, the Florida Panthers tonight going against the Carolina Hurricanes, vamos gatos, let's get this thing done, seal it up, and then let's get two South Florida teams in the finals here uh, with the Heat later this week. But right now, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet with FanDuel does not hit. How's that for peace of mind? It's $1,000 in bonus bets back. If your first bet with FanDuel doesn't hit, visit FanDuel.com slash on and get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. There is no better place to get all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA. So defensively, the well is drying. It's not dry, but the well is drying a little bit as far as attractive options that I think are, are sensible additions for the Dolphins. The two spots that make the most sense, I think the Dolphins obviously have, have pulled a impressive level of depth to play both safety and line and corner for your your defense it's probably defensive tackle which i think is a need a definitive need and a linebacker would be nice to have but when you look over the names of linebackers that are available and you see names like Deion jones and zach cunningham and rayshon evans and these are some of the more Big name players that are still out there in free agency at the stack off ball linebacker position. I have a little bit of apprehension. You know, these are players in their 20s. 
at the linebacker position that were all drafted fairly high. Some of them got big contracts. But all of them were players that were drafted relatively high because of athletic traits and not necessarily because of consistency from a a play diagnosis perspective. And playing in the Vic Fangio defense where you're going to have to live in a world where you have to process stuff quickly. I think having players who are there because they are traitsy players as compared to players who are there because they process well and they are instinctive in all phases of playing linebacker, I think that's probably a roadblock that's going to be prohibitive from some of the bigger names from getting some run. Now, maybe you sign one on one year deal with not a lot of money guaranteed and you can, uh, uh, cut them in camp. They could be Mohamed Sanu type signings if, if they don't take the leap that maybe their physical potential would have you think that maybe they could at this stage in their careers. So not to dismiss any of those players, but I, I think the more attract, attractive players at the, the off-ball linebacker position are some of the more unsexy names. Guys like Ken Pierre-Lewis or Damian Wilson, guys who have played special teams because I do think between Jerome Baker and David Long and Duke Riley and what you have in Channing Tindall, there's some movement opportunity here for you know, a player that would come in to be a team's primary player. The good thing about that is none of those signings are, are signings that are going to break, break the bank. Um, and, and I think with the market being what it is, it makes sense to kind of say, hey, let's, let's figure out what we have in Andrew Van Ginkle. Nose tackle, on the other hand, or defensive tackle, is an area where I, I can't imagine Josiah Bronson's going to be your four. Now, if you want the Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer type of player, I think Matt Ioannidis makes a lot of sense, uh, formerly of Washington and Carolina. I think Akeem Hicks makes some sense on passing downs, especially if you want to go in tight fronts and, and occupy the B gaps, but still be able to have a presence in a pass rush. But I think a nose, a backup A, a gap player is is a must for where this roster is at right now. And I don't think Brandon Peely, the UDFA from from USC, is going to be your answer there. So, how about Linval Joseph? How about the Domicon Sue? Right, and and maybe Sue wouldn't want to come back to South Florida. I don't know. I can't imagine that there's a whole lot of people there that were a part of that group when he was jettisoned out. But both of those players played in Philadelphia and signed midseason last year as players who were rotational players, and Linval Joseph in particular with his stature and experience and, and ability to play in the A-gap as a player who would maybe take 20-25% of your snaps, be an additional short yardage presence. That's a player that Miami probably could not afford to sign right now based on the finances available. But post-June 1, when you clear up $13 million in cap space, is very much back on the table. And the fact that Vic Fangio was consulting with Eagles last year, and there's some he said, she said about how much he was consulting on the offensive side of the ball versus the defensive side of the ball and formal role versus casual role, like all that stuff. Doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, Vic Fangio did consulting with the Eagles in some capacity. And Linval Joseph signed to play in a Fangio-esque defense with Jonathan Gannon as a rotational player. I think that connection makes a lot of sense, and it puts you in a position where that's a fit that I could very easily see manifesting itself with the Dolphins.
outside of that, man, even nose gap or nose tackle at this st- stature of free agency is fairly picked over. Uh, it's fairly light as far as attractive options, options that make you feel like you'd actually be improving, definitively improving. And I get, it's a backup player. I get it. And maybe Raekwon Davis will, will recapture some of the magic in a different system and a different front. And I'm sure we'll see Christian Wilkins live in there at times as well. But uh, Raekwon... I think he'd be bene- I think he'd benefit from being pushed by someone, particularly another veteran, and, and ideally somebody with a higher ceiling than what John Jenkins was. So that's one for me as a player who's also coming into a contract year uh, that I kind of had my eye on. I'm a little intrigued by. I'm interested to see what direction they ultimately choose to go. But speaking of contract extensions, there's a new avenue here that has made itself available that I, I think is worth considering. And it's what we're going to talk about here to close on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So the players that you have, meaningful players that you have that are entering into contract years, you have a couple of big money players and Christian Wilkins and Connor Williams. Connor Williams is owed seven over $7 million in cap space and Christian Wilkins is owed $10.7 million in cap space. Those are big dollar amounts. And at the beginning of this offseason, when we did the offseason blueprint, we said, hey, restructure these deals, extend these deals, and you can manufacture additional cap space for you to play with and and create players. But as we've gone through post-June first spending opportunities, let me ask you this. How many players do you genuinely feel like would would be of meaningful value that we have covered thus far that are going to cost you a significant amount of the $13 million the Dolphins are going to open up? Dalvin Cook? Assuming he's cut, because I'm, I'm not trading for Dalvin Cook. I'm sorry, I'm not. And if that means the Dolphins play this year without Dalvin Cook, so be it. I'd be pumped to have Dalvin Cook. I'm not trading assets for a three-year, $37 million contract. It's just not, not in the cards. I don't think that's good business to do that. Not unless you have a lot of waivers or, or Minnesota eats money and you plan on waiving him or renegotiating him after the the season in 2023, and he's willing to take a pay cut. I think you're, you're kind of, I don't say box in a corner, but your, your options are limited for positional flexible players at, on the offensive line. Maybe Linval Joseph. I don't really think there's a linebacker type that, that's more than one and a half, two million dollars tops right now, considering the players like Duke Riley and Elena Roberts are getting like two million dollar deals and I don't think any of these players that are available move the needle into to even those degree of those players. So how about this? How about instead of extending Connor Williams or Christian Wilkins and reducing the salary cap this year, how about you extend those players and you put more guaranteed money into this year? And you could say, hey, well, maybe that's robbing Peter to pay Paul because at the end of the day, if you put more in this year, you roll over less, and if you don't use it, you could roll it over and, and mitigate the impact of those bigger cap hits in 2024 anyway, in which case it'd say, okay, like, yeah, you have a fair point. So it's kind of dependent upon the the willingness of the players and, and what their individual markets are in which it makes sense for the Dolphins to do that or not. But if the big money players don't make sense, like a Connor Williams or a Christian Wilkins, how about a Brandon Jones? 
How about a Robert Hunt? How about a Zach Sealer? How about you give these guys a pay raise here and now, and you put guaranteed money and the signing bonus into the first year of this deal, but you also make some of that signing bonus or some of that new guaranteed money a roster bonus that's not prorated out across the life of the contract, but rather is a one-and-done salary cap charge for this year. Because I'll tell you what, Brandon Jones probably has earned himself 3x what his rookie contract's going to pay him this year in the last year of his rookie deal. Robert Hunt, I promise you, has earned 3x. Well, this is probably an 8 to $10 million a year guard based off the current market. Hunt's better than a lot of guys that got signed for big-time money. I think Robert Hunt's better than Ben Powers, who signed for 13. Zach Sealer, he's getting three, three and a half this year. The Dolphins are stealing Zach Sealer. Could you give him 12 and put the extra $9 million in this year and then have a escalating roster bonus or an escalating bonus that, that scales out annually beyond that, that you could take a bonus starting next year instead of starting this year and prorate out starting next year instead. Like there's, there's ways in which you can do the monopoly money, fun money thing. But if you're not going to bring new players in, and I think there's probably two players that, that are, that we've discussed that I think would really move the needle in some capacity for what the Dolphins have in place this year, then what you're looking at is potentially having it make more sense to secure the longevity of some more of the nucleus of the team and take advantage of the Byron Jones money opening up here and now to lock those guys in and put bigger cap hits this year so that next year when your salary cap's really tight and you got to restructure some money, not to say the Dolphins could restructure uh, Tyreek Hill, Bradley Chubb, move on from Emmanuel Agba, move on from Cedric Wilson, and move on from Jerome Baker, and they could be at like $20 million in cash, just off the top of my head. So like, it's not that hard to do. But if you get those players, and they take bigger hits this year because you have the space, and then they have hits that are more like what they're in line for this year, next year, in the midst of all of that, you could potentially retain more of the nucleus of the team with less long-term prorated money. Because you could do it in the offseason too, but that just means your, your cap hit starts prorating out starting next year, and then you're really forced to, to really embrace the long-term play of prorating out the money as much as you possibly can. I've heard the Dolphins talk about flexibility with their financials. This might be a way to do it. And of course, now, this stage of the offseason, you know who you have. You know what opportunities you have. You know who you were able to go out and get. It's a little different than having this conversation in February and saying, well, let's maximize the salary cap space so we can go out and attack as much as we want. You know what you got. You know what fish are in the boat. How they choose, if they choose to swing up, they choose to go out of uh, and add more, or if they choose to hold pat keep everything stable, get through the year, and then roll over as much of that rollover cap as they possibly can uh, to further increase what their salary cap is in 2024. We'll see. I could tell you there's a couple of these guys that you would probably be benefited from for securing the contract's extensions now before they play another season. 
Sealer and Hunt on that list as, as well, plus Wilkins and Connor Williams in year two at center. How much can you make that 13 mil go? That's going to be what we're going to have to keep watching and find out. And June 1st is right around the corner. We're going to start seeing some shoes drop. I'm excited for it. So make sure you hit subscribe and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day on a daily basis. Shout out to the everydayers who do keep it plugged in. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of Locked on Dolphins. Come on back tomorrow. Who knows? You might even get another double dip. I'm Kyle Krabs and I'm out of here. Peace. Fins up.